and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Zivakowski trying to get to the outside. He has blockers in front. Brady Quinn looking, pump fakes, he rolls to the near side, throws it, it's caught by Samaja, inside the 20, inside the 10, he's going in, Notre Dame has scored! Jones is the back, he's got it again, and Jones a letter room, Tony Jones makes a cut, gets a block, and scores! Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? What's up? Welcome to Sons of Saturday Irish. I'm your host, Tyler Rojack. My co-host, Luke Smith, is joining me from Chicago. And today, we're here to get you ready for Notre Dame's matchup against the California Golden Bears. It's no secret that things haven't gotten off to a great start for Notre Dame, as the Irish are still winless, entering the third week of the regular season. And to make matters worse, their starting quarterback, Tyler Buckner, had surgery to repair a high-grade shoulder sprain this week. That will force him to miss the rest of the season. Despite all of that... Notre Dame is still favored to win this game by double digits, and we'll get into how the Irish can try and get things back on track this weekend in their matchup against Cal. But first, we're going to figure out who is to blame for the poor start to the season because, trust me, there is plenty of blame to go around, including a lot of people or things you might not have considered before listening to this podcast. Now, if you're watching us on YouTube, please like the video below and subscribe to our channel. We've seen a ton of growth so far since we started putting our show out on YouTube, so we appreciate you guys for watching and subscribing. And for those of you still listening to the pod, we appreciate you as well, but we like to ask that you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rate and review there as well. All right, before we get going here, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode of Sons of Saturday is supported by DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code SOS to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code SOS only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. This episode is sponsored by Haas Company, a lifestyle brand that's about being the best version of yourself. Be the Haas. The Haas lives life without reservations, without doubt, and ready to answer the call each and every day. Check out their website at bethehaas.com and use promo code SUNS for 15% off on your next order. Check them out. This episode is also supported by Roback. Shop game-changing activewear with Roback for those who crave activity. Use the promo code SUNSND, that's S-O-N-S-N-D, to get 20% off your next order in the entire store at Roback.com. But we encourage all of our listeners to check out the Shamrock Polo, which would look great on Irish fans everywhere. That's promo code SUNSND at R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. All right. Let's get to it. 
In the aftermath of Notre Dame's shocking loss to Marshall, we've all been trying to figure out how the hell we got to this point. We've seen a ton of different reasons why Notre Dame is 0-2. We've seen some people blame Father Jenkins, Jack Swarbrick, the coaches, the players. Hell, even the cheerleaders are probably culpable at least a little bit. It's on all of us, right? So Luke and I really spent a lot of time trying to think about who is at fault here. And we've each picked four of the people or things most responsible for Notre Dame's horrendous start to the 2022 season. This is the definitive list, and anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong. So, Luke, I'll let you lead us off. I think the obvious choice here is uh, the demise of Mulligans and and more broadly just construction in South Bend in general. uh, I've talked about it on this program a lot from 2017 to 2020. Notre Dame won 24 home games in a row. Uh, for 22 of those, a group of select individuals would go to Mulligan's Bar and Grill and do the drill at 2.15 a.m. the night before every game for last call. That consisted of one good luck beer and shot. Uh, unfortunately, Mulligan sold in the summer of 2021. And the Irish have lost two home games since, including the last one to Marshall. You see, Mulligan's is going to be developed into some high-rise luxury condo complex, and there's some similar construction going on across the street from that location, which does not make any sense if you know South Bend. Um, I'm not too upset, personally, that Turtle Creek is gone, (laughs) but it has also been leveled, and in its place is going in a $100 million condo complex. All i got to say is real estate in South Bend has gone to the dogs, and we lost our good luck charm, and and, uh, things haven't been the same since. How's the owner doing? You keep in touch with the owner from Mulligans? Uh, no. I th- last I heard, he moved down to Florida. I, I don't know if he's still alive. I assume he is. He wasn't that old, but he he was an interesting guy. <laughs> what is what was his beer trick that he loved doing? <laughs> he, <laughs> he had could. some crazy thing going on. Yeah, it's it's gonna be kind of hard to articulate, but basically, he was able to put a beer can on his head and get it to stick without him holding it. So like on his forehead. Yeah. Like basically like it was a suction cup and then he would pour it into people's mouths. Uh, It was a very, I don't know how that's (laughs) something you discover you can do, but he could do it pretty well. Yeah. I'm pretty curious just to think like how many beers he had before he was like, you know, it'd be great if I, he looks like he has about 35 a day. So, (laughs) Damn, that's harsh for our guy. I know he's big in the rugby scene. Okay, I hear you. That's tough. I've always wondered, like, with all this construction going on around campus, thinking about what South Bend used to be well before we even went there. I'm thinking, like, the first time I started going to games back in, I want to say, like, 2003. It's unrecognizable what Notre Dame and that surrounding area is now compared to what it was when we first started going. Who is paying for all these condos? That's what I want to know. They've been building these really fancy, really luxurious condos right around Notre Dame's campus, and I'm, I don't really buy that people are spending much more than like what six, maybe ten weekends a year in these places. Like I don't, I don't really understand it. There's a lot of people with a lot of money in Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think every time we underestimate that, that people just surprise us. Okay, so I hear you with Mulligans. I'm going to start with the top here, Marcus Freeman, and not it has nothing to do with his coaching acumen. Why did Marcus Freeman wait until week three to convert to Catholicism? So first off, congratulations to Marcus for joining the Catholic Church. One foot down, tweeted out a nice picture from a church bulletin, I think. It shows Freeman with uh, four priests by his side to celebrate this event. Good for him and his family. But (laughs) I have two issues here. One, this post says that, quote, 
After preparing with Father Nate Wills, CSC, chaplain of the Notre Dame football team, Marcus made a profession of faith, was confirmed, and received his first Holy Communion. End quote. So if I'm reading this correctly, Marcus knocked all of that out in one day. Why couldn't I do that when I was a kid? Some of us here had to do it the old-fashioned way and go to religious education classes every Sunday after church because their parents made them do it. I had my first communion when I was seven. I didn't get confirmed for another six years. All I'm saying is I could have saved a hell of a lot of time if I did it the Marcus Freeman way. And secondly, we're all thinking it. You really had to wait until we're 0-2 to get on the big man's good side. You couldn't have done this in the summer before we opened the season at Ohio State. We really had to lose to Marshall before you realized that this team needed help from a higher power. Who knows if even God can save this team right now, but I respect the effort from Freeman here. So this is actually the Catholic Church's fault, um, and, and here's, here's where I'm going with <laughs> there this. There we go. Um, I, I read, and this is what I suspected, uh, Freeman started preparing to become a Catholic like as soon as he got to Notre Dame basically. And this was your standard rite of Christian initiation process. Basically, it takes a really long time. However, there is a loophole. And I I knew a couple families growing up that um, decided to enter the Catholic Church and their kids were like my age. And I was going through Catholic education and still had to hit the sacraments at like the normal time. So First Communion, Reconciliations 8, you don't get confirmed until you're 15 or whatever. We had these seven-year-olds that they come into the Catholic Church and at the Easter Vigil Mass, they just hit all the sacraments, including uh, including confirmation that night. It's it's a total loophole. The Catholic Church, they could have expedited this and made this happen before <laughs> the season, too. This is on them. So I'm actually going to take Freeman's side here because he did prepare for this for some time, and, and frankly, okay. that's on the Catholic Church for not adjusting their timeline. <laughs> but I was a theology minor in Notre Dame, so I can say this. I, I, I know what I'm talking about. That's true. All right, let's move on to number two. What do you got? It's it's another one that's a really big one, and it's DJ Sticky Boots. Um, I've talked at length about how horrific the in-game entertainment is in Notre Dame Stadium. This all starts with the DJ, Sticky Boots. Um, the third down and fourth down songs this man plays are absolutely horrific. Horrific. They don't do anything to inspire fear or intimidation into the opponents. And if you're wondering what they are, the third down song is some sort of child's voice that says, are you scared? And fourth down is the six frickin' flag song. So I've had it up to here with that. I actually DM'd him after the loss, and I told him, listen, dude, you got to cut that or you got to hang it up. And he responded (laughs) saying that the music... Is the choice of the players and staff. I'm compelled not to believe this, but honestly, if that's true, then maybe these losers do deserve to be <laughs> 0 I respect your efforts here trying to get to the bottom of this. What's even worse, too, is it's starting to come through on the broadcast. Like, I can so hear bad. that little kid Ugh. saying, are you scared? I don't no, know what that's from. Nobody's scared. They pick up third downs. All Marshall was picking up third downs left and right. Yeah, this has been an ongoing problem over the last... Two years, I want to say. It didn't used to be like this. Back in the day, they they just played Crazy Train every third down. It was funny. I'd be but cool with that. Yeah, do, do I would take that. every now and then, like, just go back to that. 
Yeah, they. I did hear levels way too early in the game, and that might have been a signal that Notre Dame was in deep trouble if we had to break out levels in like the first Sticky quarter. Boots office game. The thing that bothers me, like Sticky Boots is mentioned in one of Avicii's last tweets ever. So oh like this God, guy clearly right. has some sort of, which also weird enough that South Bend is in that same tweet. And that a couple days before he died, Avicii's thinking about South Bend. But like, R.I.P. R.I.P. Avicii. <laughs> yeah, but we got to get rid of this guy. He's a he's a he's an estranged character. I want no nothing no part of him okay for my second one i'm gonna go with del alexander he spent too much time (laughs) tweeting at nationwide (laughs) not enough time spent on recruiting wide receivers and now notre dame is stuck they're actually trying to go through a full season i guess using only four scholarship receivers and if you don't understand the nationwide reference go look at del alexander's twitter he doesn't tweet a whole lot but his last three tweets are all directed at Nationwide, the insurance company. I'll just read you the last one because it's worth reading. Quote, does anyone have the number or email for at Nationwide upper management? I keep getting stuck with people who can't get anything done. They're terrible. This is the best part. Hashtag NFL, hashtag ESPN, hashtag NBA, hashtag NASCAR, hashtag MLB, and tweet from Dell. I just don't understand what the hell he's thinking. And there's plenty more of this. I encourage all of you to go look it up. But, yeah, I mean, on a somewhat serious note here, uh, the receiver position is even worse than we thought. Now, obviously, Avery Davis getting hurt before the season didn't help. But now Notre Dame is left with Brayden Lindsey, who, by the way, only has two catches on 11 targets this year. Matt Salerno, a former walk-on. Jaden Thomas, who I get, he has done next to nothing on Saturdays. And Lorenzo Salas, who's actually really, really good, but unfortunately hasn't gotten the ball enough. We've talked about the receivers so much in this podcast for the past few years, and like it really is on him. And Notre Dame is dealing with that now and every Saturday going forward. Hopefully, Tobias Merriweather is either healthy or the coaching staff trusts him enough to get him in the game. But it really does go back to him. And I, I can't even believe how bad the situation is and that he left it in such a place. But hey, he's at Georgia Tech now. Yeah, uh, and nationwide is just ghosting the hell out of him, apparently. So go figure. <laughs> um, another one, and this one, I didn't even talk about this in the recap because I was still in shock that we lost to Marshall, but this was something I wanted to bring up. Uh, geriatric fans who don't want other Notre Dame fans to have a good time. Our fan base is probably the lamest in sports. Uh, <laughs> after standing up and celebrating a third down stop on Saturday, I got a tap on my shoulder. I'm some old man questing, when you stand, can you at least stand still? And I just laughed in his face. Um, but it also made me feel like I had something wrong with me, like I was, like, flailing or something. Like, what's going yeah, on Yeah, what here? were you doing? <laughs> but, like, dude, nothing. It, it's, like, I, it's literally, like, no. Just, just, I didn't swear at him, but I really wanted to. I actually showed off a lot wow, of strength there. Wow, yeah, but like it's like if you're gonna go to a football game, you can't expect this to be mass. Like that's not what it is. Okay, so just like grow up and stop complaining. Well, I, I think they're grown. I don't think that's the issue. They, they. I don't know if they have much more yeah. growing up to do. Poor choice of words. <laughs> I mature. Sorry, because you haven't gotten there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 just ridiculous, and and it's part of the reason why. The stadium gets taken over all the time, and it's just not a very intimidating place to play. It really is disappointing. And to be honest, I haven't experienced that in a long time because I haven't been able to get out to many games since I graduated. And for all the games I went to for the four years that I was there, I was always in the student section. So I really haven't been out in the mix for a while. 
You mentioned having an issue with it. Our friend Jack Walsh said that he had uh, some old people behind him with binoculars that told him straight up, like, don't stand. I just, I don't understand what these people think is going to happen at a, yeah, yeah. I, that's the thing that doesn't make sense to me. And is it just like an entitlement thing that they're these super old alums and think that everyone in the area needs to cater to their every wish? I, I don't get it. And it's frustrating because it makes us look bad. It's the reason why our home environment isn't nearly as good as what it could be and should be compared to other elite programs in college football. And it's just sort of a sad like realization every year because like Notre Dame makes an effort to try to stop that, I think. They've had marketing campaigns. It just hasn't made much of an impact. Well, they, they are wearing green this weekend, so there's that. You know, um, <laughs> We'll see how that one goes. All right, my number three is Pete Sampson. Okay. Pete Sampson, friend of the program, he uh, got all of our hopes up before the season. I'm just going to bring this tweet up. I quote it here. I get it. It's early in camp, and we're just watching five periods of practice. But I have a difficult time imagining Notre Dame's offensive line not at least being very, very good. Impressive group. End tweet. This was tweeted on August 11th this year. And uh, I think it's safe to say that we're not a very, very good or impressive group right now. No, obviously, I'm kidding. We love Pete. He's a friend of the pod. But holy shit, man, the line is so bad. And it really is blindsided all of us. Yeah, I mean, honestly, just more largely, like, it, I was thinking about this earlier today, just like how many people were wrong about this team, like, like through the first us two included. Games. Us included. Like, exactly. And, like, actually, like, I, I'm still very down on this, but that's the one thing that, like, gives me some pause from, like, Oh, maybe they don't totally suck. Cause there's no way there were this many people. Like, I look back at 2016. A lot of people thought they were going to be good, but I think there were kind of some things written on the wall there that, like, maybe what, like there was a divided locker room. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't know. It seemed like maybe that wasn't the most surprising thing. You had all the re- the arrests and stuff like that. Yeah, this like, there's just. There's no way that like this many people were wrong, or were we? Are we? Do we just? I guess maybe this goes back to the point about there's not really any media access, and maybe there was a reason for that. Um, but from the stuff they did see, um, people seem to be pretty sold on this team. I know, and that's not to say that this group can improve. And I'm just giving Pete a hard time. And also, we we've I think we've discussed it before. Uh, there's this Twitter account that blamed Pete Sampson for Notre Dame losing in big games, just being dead serious. Obviously, we're not here, but. Just looking at the group, I know some people are calling for change of personnel. Like, what what really are you going to change, right? Joe Walt came in last year, was a, a revelation for the offensive line. So far this year, he's been pretty good. He played better against Marshall than he did Ohio State. Okay, that's fair. Patterson at left guard, he's been hurt, so it's not really his fault. But he did have a, a false start penalty on a crucial third down play late in the game against Marshall. Zeke Carell has just been awful. Like, I'm sorry, but it's the truth. And I think everyone who's watching sees it. And it's not even so much a physical thing. He just looks lost, uh, which would have made more sense if he's playing left guard. But he's at his natural position this year. So I don't get that. Uh, Josh Slug has been at Notre Dame for like, I don't know, two decades now. And the only consistent thing about his game is that you have no idea what the hell he's going to do from play to play. And Blake Fisher, at right tackle, I know he's got a ton of potential and he's probably going to be very, very good. But so far, he's been playing like a guy who has only played in three and a half college games in his career. So there's reason for optimism, I think. But it, it can't be another situation like last year where they don't figure it out until after the bye week. Like This needs to be addressed. It needs to be fixed 
ASAP. And, and I don't, there's no fix. Last year they tried mixing up with personnel. I, I think it has to be these five, and you just hope they figure it out. Yeah. Like, I kind of wanted to have this conversation last week, but we then actually did lose to Marshall. <laughs> and it's kind of like, okay. That's fine that, like, these early games are, like, kind of gross, but why is that the case? Like, why can't we be more on top of things and have a better read of things earlier in the season so we don't have to go through a Toledo or a, or a Marshall or a Balt? Like, that just shouldn't happen. I'm sorry. It shouldn't happen. Just, like, I don't know what the answer is, but just why does that have to happen? And it's the same thing with the offensive line. Yeah. I don't understand. I think the learning curve has got to be expedited, and uh, yeah. they got to figure it out soon. And I, again, there is reason to believe that this group can figure it out because I still have faith in Alt and Fisher. And I mean, poor Patterson, man. I, I know he got some flack for how he reacted after the game, but if anyone had reason to act that way, it's him. I mean, he suffered a pretty brutal torn pec injury in the offseason after deciding to forego the NFL draft and come back. So he deals with that all summer, all spring and summer, and then. The biggest game um, of the season, he's got to sit out because he hurts his foot in practice during camp. He, he comes back probably a little bit too early, and Notre Dame loses maybe the most shocking loss of his entire career. So I feel for the guy. I understand why he reacted that way, and I don't really blame him, but I really do hope that he's, it's kind of on him to be the leader of this group and turn things around. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, what's your last one? Well... I actually have two more, but I think the last one we can hit together. Uh, this one uh, is us, actually, uh, <laughs> changing the structure of our preview episode. We didn't do our homework last week. In fact, we didn't think we had to. We barely talked about Marshall, like with the basis being nobody wants to hear about this team. Let's talk about college football at large, and that's how we shifted the conversation. Like Notre Dame, the team, uh, our lack of preparation, um, it, it, it was reflected on the field, I guess, and, and uh, we kind of paid for what we did. I agree. Hey, it's on everyone. We've all got to yeah. look in the mirror and figure it out. Uh, I'm going to say the assistance on the coaching staff for not recruiting inner hall players. Now, shout out to ndfan 69 for this post and the Irish Illustrated message boards. Guys, it's too good. I've got to share it with you, so bear with me here. For this from ndfan 69 quote, I'm sure most people in here who aren't alumni aren't aware of this, but ND has full contact 11-on-11 intramural football where you play against other dorms. Coaches used to come to games all the time and offer kids walk-on spots. There were some damn good players out there, a lot with legit D3 or FCS offers. Got to check right now to see if there are wide receivers or QBs who are qualified out there. I can tell you... I can tell you with 100% certainty there were kids better than Ron Paulus III under center on Sundays playing inner hall football. I doubt the wide receivers or running backs would be very competitive, but we had two for my team. Walk on to the team and eventually play special teams. Gotta at least check our talent is horrible and thin on offense. He titled this thread, you might think I'm joking, but I'm not. So he's being dead serious here. And uh, we tweeted it out. The message board geniuses account picked it up, and I I guess I kind of agree with him. As someone who played Interhall every Sunday, very hungover on little to no sleep, that's where Notre Dame needs to go to get their talent. Yeah, uh, I was trying to, like I was trying to think about this. Like outside of the time they got David Ruffer from the kicking, and then Mike Anello. Like I honestly, 
I can't think of one guy our age that played in that league that could have walked onto the team. I seriously can't think of one guy. Not one guy. So that makes me wonder when was ND fan six nine? Yeah, at like, school. How bad was Notre Dame? Yeah, then, too. Well, like, let's guess what era was it? The uh, like Bob Davy era, probably or not. like or. Jerry I don't Faust. know. It could have. It could have been like Willingham. They had some pretty <laughs> like. I, like I seriously, I can't think of one guy in that league that could have walked onto the did, team. Uh, did you uh, ever go to an inner hall game? Yeah, it was horrible. So bad. <laughs> if you're if you're unfamiliar, like it's it's worse than you think because yeah. at least in like in flag football, the athletes are out in space and it's usually played during the week on on an evening like a Tuesday night or something. So. Everyone is usually not like violently hungover. So inner hall, you're playing on Sundays the day after, usually a home game. So everyone's been tailgating, drinking the whole day before. And it is full contact, full pads, football. And it's not like we're we don't have training camp. We practice like a couple times. No one wants to go to them. I certainly was one of those people. I did not want to go to interall practice, but you kind of have to because otherwise it's like a safety hazard. The first time you get hit, you, your body like it, it's hard to describe that feeling because it's not used to that contact anymore. And really, th- this is all I need to say about it is I won the championship. No big deal. Senior year in the stadium. The final score was 2 nothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> And that was like pretty normal for an interall game. Oh yeah, definitely. It's not a it's not a good league. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> it's it's horrible. There, like, if you're, there were some very very good, um, like bookstore basketball players that, oh, like, no doubt. maybe one or two of them ultimately walked on. Although, if you ask certain listeners of this podcast, Mike Bray has a thing against walk on, so that's why some of them never made the team. I'm not going to name any of those names, but um, anyways, it's a different sport, like. I, I I can at least respect the suggestion and, and looking for new ways of talent, but uh, I don't think that's that's yeah. quite it. If we needed a kicker, maybe. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like it. He leads the nation. Yeah, shout and, uh, out Griffey. <laughs> the, the, yeah. Maybe the the one thing that we were most critical about before the season might actually be the most reliable person on the okay. team. Okay, all right. Now when he loses us the game this week, then we'll, then we'll okay. talk. Just don't um, even don't even anyways, speak that into existence. Th- this is this is the last one, uh, and it's. According to some, it's according to some people, this is the biggest one. It's Brian Kelly. Um, that's who we of can course. blame. Of um, course, for me and you, this is very much in jest. But yes, people are still somehow blaming Brian Kelly for this, <laughs> um, which is ridiculous because all I heard in the off season was like, "This is a burden off our backs. This is incredible. Like I can't wait for this." But here's a few quips from people who shall re- remain unnamed. Notre Dame is broken right now, and it would appear the rot that existed prior to Freeman being elevated was much more problematic than I expected. Uh, uh, yes, the the rot from a program that went 11-1 and last year and made the playoff the year before that, and what, 54 games total the last five years? Yeah. Very much a rotty, rotten situation. Um, and then my personal favorite is, I don't know how you can honestly say BK left this program in great shape. <laughs> yeah, we returned a couple great players, but let's not act like the recruiting was great and that we have several rooms that are severely lacking. It's going to take time to fix this. BK left a coward. Look, in fairness, Brian Kelly left a flawed roster, but the way that people talk about Brian Kelly's recruiting, it's like we were finishing outside of the top 50. Like, every year the class is worth in the top 15, and obviously yeah. that's not enough to win a national championship. That's not what I'm saying. But dear God, it sounds like Freeman inherited an inner hall team. 
based on the way that some people have talked about it. And I get the receiver situation is a nightmare. Quarterback is a disaster probably without Buckner out. But we certainly have enough talent to beat Marshall. I mean, they hung in with Ohio State for four quarters. Like, I don't know how you can go from that game and then to Marshall and say, well, it's just, it's a talent issue. It's not. It's funny you bring that up because I would not normally quote this individual, but uh, somebody wrote into Ari Wasserman's mailbag asking how far the talent gap between schools like Marshall and Notre Dame is. And his response was, it's enormous. According to the 247 sports team talent composite, Notre Dame is the 10th most talented team in college football this year. Marshall ranks number 89. I cannot put into words how big that gap is. For further context, Notre Dame has 51 blue chip prospects on his roster. Marshall has only four. Yeah. I mean, it's just an inexcusable loss, but I'm glad... They were able to do this. We were able to point some fingers. Obviously, this is mostly in jest here. But yeah, we needed to get this off our chest here before we, we get to Cal here. We're trying to be a little bit more positive now that we move on to the game this upcoming weekend. So, surprisingly, Notre Dame is double-digit favorites again this weekend. Uh, they're 11-point favorites at the time of this recording, according to DraftKings. The over-under is 40.5, so Vegas is projecting something close to a 24-14 win, or maybe 25-16 would be the mathematical or the correct math there, but I don't know. That seems like an obscure score, but I don't know. Weird season. Back in June, Notre Dame announced that the team was going to wear the green jerseys for this one, and at the time, I and a lot of other people wondered, why is Notre Dame wearing green jerseys against Cal? That game's not going to be important. Uh, and as sad as it may be, this is going to be one of the most pressure-packed games in Notre Dame Stadium in a long time. So I guess from that perspective, green jerseys make sense. So before we dive into Kyle, though, I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on green jerseys and the Irish wear green movement in general? Because I don't think we've really talked about it that extensively on the pod. I don't have any problem with them. Um, I think they could probably do it more often. And, like, I actually do like the idea of consolidating to one color and trying to make a stadium um, stand out. Although, last week, I'm after afraid, I'm afraid after last week that Marshall may own the color green because uh, <laughs> they were all in it and it was Kelly green, too. But, like, there's just something really unintentionally funny about the three word <laughs> phrase Irish wear green. Like, I've made fun of that for five years now. How many? Like, it just sounds like. Um, it sounds like something like a kindergartner wrote. Like he's trying to like like write some a sentence. It, it doesn't sound like a full sentence. Like Irish wear green. I don't know. There's just there's something a little bit off and, and humorous in that. Uh, but I like the idea behind it. That just like they could have maybe found a better way to market it. And I'm not gonna offer any suggestions because I have none. But that's just what I what I think of it. Yeah, I'm cool with the crowd movement. Everyone wearing the same color because Irish wear navy it doesn't really have the same ring to it or a white out i don't think we really have the juice to do that but yeah so green if that's the color rocking with i just i don't know why this bothers me so much but the the under armor green that notre dame uses i just don't like it i love it's just under armor in general yeah and the blue numbers just doesn't look good in my opinion the green and navy that under armor uses i just don't like the way those colors complement each other and i i love oh. Go ahead. That's a good point. Have we actually seen what these jerseys look like? Are we just assuming they're the ones that were a couple years ago? Do we know that for a fact? Uh, I saw some posts, um, I think from the Notre Dame account, where it's going to be the same ones that you saw against Florida State. 
Got it. Yeah, those ones kind of stink. <laughs> the green with like the gold letters that Notre yeah. Dame broke out for the first time against USC, those are sweet. And the darker green, like I'm all in on those. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't seem like that's what we're going with, whatever. So anyway, what do we need to know about Kyle's offense? It's a young offense uh, coordinated by Bill Musgrave. He used to be the OC for a number of NFL teams. Eagles, Panthers, Jags, Vikings, Raiders, and most recently the Broncos. Uh, hasn't had a ton of success anywhere he's been, but he's gotten a lot of jobs. Um, quarterback's Jack Plummer. That's coaching. Who, yeah. The Purdue transfer, who had the absolute hell beaten out of him in South Bend last year before ultimately having to be taken out of the game for Aiden O'Connell due to injury. Um, perhaps this, his presence will bring this defense back to life. It's it's a thought because they really beat, beat the hell out of him last year. Uh, in terms of the ground game, freshman running back Jaden Ott is kind of the main guy there. He was fairly highly touted. I think he's a four-star coming out of high school. So he's shown some flashes in their first two games. Um, kind of a remarkable stat I came across. Justin Wilcox has been the head coach of Cal since 2017. They haven't had one offensive player drafted since then. Uh, that's that's a long time. That's th- th- And that's kind of what they've been. They've been a defensive team. He's a defensive coach, and uh, the offense has, has struggled. And I think after, over the first two games of this year, the stats kind of bear that out a little bit as well. Um, in the passing game, we should look for Plummer to target J. Michael Sturdivant, and then Jeremiah Hunter is more kind of his vertical threat. Like I said, they haven't had a great offense since Wilcox took over. Like This is going to be a really good opportunity for Notre Dame to force some turnovers finally. And if they don't, I'm going to have some questions. Um, <laughs> not that I don't already, but like it's kind of a now or never situation. Um, everybody saw that weird stat out there that they're one of how many ever teams. It's, it's a small number to not have forced a turnover yet. And, of course, Ohio State and Alabama are weirdly on that side of the coin too, uh, which nobody would have suspected. But that needs to change this weekend, and I think this is a good opportunity for them. Yeah, it's such a weird contrast to the Cal that we grew up with, right? When I think of Cal – I just and really the Pac-12 in general. I just think of a lot of scoring. I mean, hell, they had Aaron Rodgers at one point, um, Marshawn Lynch. Who was that other running back they had that was really good? I think he went to the Lions. Uh, Javid Best. Yes, he was also really good. Yeah, so the the program has fallen a bit now. Justin Wilcox is a great defensive mind here, but yeah, the offense has been abysmal so sort of on that note you kind of alluded to it already what do you want to see from the defense to try and completely shut down this Cal offense like outside of just turnovers is there anything schematically personnel wise that you want to see change or just maybe execute better I guess as simple as it may be I mean I've said this both games this year but like once again they should have an advantage with the defensive line against Cal's offensive line can we actually get pressure with like without rushing six uh I want to see that, okay, because we couldn't really do that against Marshall, and that was very alarming. Like, part of me just feels like these guys needed to be hit in the head with, like, a bat or something and just be, like, wake up, not an actual bat. Like, because, like, it just feels like they're sleepwalking out there, and I don't, like, I don't understand why that is. Um and and now it's kind of now or never. So like I just want to see this this plumber guy under constant duress, and that should ultimately lead to turnover. So it's it's kind of the same thing that I've said pretty much every game this year. I just haven't seen it yet. Right, and it's so confusing because unlike the offense, we've seen pretty much every guy in the Notre Dame defensive line have a ton of success already in college. Right. I mean Isaiah Foskey could have 
been drafted in the on the second day of the NFL draft this past season. Jason Adamiola also came back and talked a lot of shit before the season started, has not lived up to it. Riley Mills is a freak, haven't really seen much from him, and that's the part that just doesn't make sense to me. And I know some people have criticized like Howard Cross and Jacob Lacey in the interior just because they're smaller than the traditional defensive tackle. But again, those are two guys who we've seen perform. Hell, Wisconsin last year, Howard Cross was unstoppable, and Jacob Lacey right. as well. So I don't know. I'm with you there. In, in the words of uh, Cersei Lannister, I know you're a huge Game of Thrones guy. Uh, I choose violence. Like I want to see guys flying around, guys wearing the gold hats, getting a hat on a hat, all the football cliches you can think of. I just want to see some disruption out there. Like We saw it a little bit against Ohio State when Brandon Joseph lit up Jackson Smith and Jigba, knocked him out of the game. Bo Bauer had another huge hit. And it was like, all right, yes, this is the defense we know. But Marshall just dominated Notre Dame's defense for the most part. And then, like, I get, like, the offense can't figure its shit out with the with the backup quarterback. At least that's somewhat understandable. The defense has to set the tone so that they don't even want to step on the field. No, 100%. And if they don't, we have some issues. Uh, basically, this is like a two-game swing where the defense is – It's this week it's kind of like, okay, you guys have to impose your will. And the next week it's going to be the offense against that North Carolina defense that is not a defense. Um, no. And so we're not asking a whole lot, honestly, <laughs> but just do it. That's all yeah. I'm asking. Yeah, just get, get it going in the right direction. All right, here's what you need to know about Cal's defense. The first thing, they're pretty good. Cal won six out of their last eight games dating back to last season, so this team isn't really a slouch, and they're led by their defense. Uh, They returned six starters from the year before. They came in second in the Pac-12 in scoring defense last year. Uh, Their defensive coordinator is Peter Sermon, who's in his third season, but Justin Wilcox, the head coach, is very involved with the defense. He's a very respected defensive mind, and that's honestly the, the reason he's still around. So far this season, this group has only given up 27 points. Now, granted, they've played... UC Davis and, and UNLV. Now, they picked up a transfer from Utah on the D-line, Xavier Carrollton. He was a four-star prospect. He leads the team with two and a half sacks. Schematically, it's pretty basic. They run a 3-4. Um, to me here, it is less to do with the guys in the defense. Like This is going to be a sound defense. It just has to do with Notre Dame. There's not going to be guys in the Cal defense that you're like, oh my God, for sure, NFL player. Like then again, there wasn't NFL guys on Marshall really. Although I did, I do think that their their quarterbacks were um, really impressive. But this all just comes down to Notre Dame. So on the offensive side, like what do you want to see from the Notre Dame offense just to get things back on track? We're not even saying like score forty points. No one's expecting that in this game. But you got a new quarterback. The offense has been again. It's been so bad so far this season. Like what? are some tangible things that you want to see that could potentially turn this around? Yeah, it's a really hard question, honestly, because like, it's kind of hard to imagine what the possibilities are here. Uh, but I, I think the big thing is like, I want to see Chris Tyree get more action. Like I, it, it, their usage of him has been kind of perplexing to date this season. And when he has gotten the ball, like it looks like he can do some things. So to be totally honest with you, I don't think Logan Diggs should see the field for a while. Um, he just has not seen like he's either physically there or mentally there. I don't know what it is, but I think you got to go with a two-back stable, and it's it's a heavy Tyree dosage, and then you mix in Estime as well. Um, but also, if you can get Tyree out in space, like kind of use him like he did in the Fiesta Bowl. I, I, I don't know where that offense has gone, um, but I, I think this is going to be predicated on just quick – 
reads and quick decisions for Drew Pine. We're going to see how he does with that. Um, I have my thoughts, but <laughs> I, I have my hopes that he will do well. Uh, I don't know. Like, you just got to kind of let Tyree and Mayer make plays because, like, I, I just feel like they've been very underutilizing Tyree's skill set when he actually does seem like he could be poised to, to kind of make some moves. Yeah, I mean, last year and the year before, you understood why he wasn't getting the ball as much because he was behind Kyron Williams, who might be the best running running back of our lifetimes. I'm with you. Same thing. I just want to see playmakers make plays. Notre Dame doesn't have a ton of them on offense, but they do have some. And look, True Pine, I think we need to be realistic with our expectations. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to throw picks. That's that's what he does. Like, read any practice report. We've seen him live a few times. He's probably going to throw a pick or two. Just accept it now. If he doesn't, great. But that's just going to be the story with him. So Notre Dame needs to get the ball in the hands of guys like you mentioned, Chris Tyree, Michael Mayer, and Lorenzo Styles, as much as humanly possible. Let's stop trying to pretend Braden Lindsay is a playmaker. He's not. I appreciate what he's done for the program. Uh, I'm sure he's really good in practice. He has not been a playmaker to date for Notre Dame. Let's stop trying. Okay, let's go to Styles. Let's go to Mayer. Let's go to Tyree. And I think Audrey Estime is a, is a good player, and he's going to be a good back in Notre Dame, but his game is not suited for what Notre Dame has right now in the offensive line. It's, it's just not. Okay, so it seems simple enough, but just get the ball in space to guys who have proven they can make plays and just let them dictate the action. Like I would feel if Notre Dame is just force feeding it to Styles and, and Mayer and and Tyree, and they're not making the plays, like I, then it's a bigger issue because our best players aren't making plays. But so far, we just haven't really seen that. No, we haven't, and that's kind of feels like that's all you can do at this point. So yeah, um, I, I think we just need to see that. Yeah, one thing I wanted to say about the Logan Dix thing: what a bizarre nine months for him. <laughs> I mean. Think about where the hype on him at the end of last season. Then we go into the offseason. There's all these rumors that he's going to transfer to LSU. He doesn't. He unfortunately suffers an injury in the spring game, which we thought was nothing, and then turned out to be seriously something. It was a torn labrum. Then all of a sudden he's back for Ohio State. It looks like they forced him out there. He had maybe the worst blitz pickup in the history of football against Marshall. I don't even know what he was doing. He might not play... Because of that and that alone, and and just thinking about how far he's sort of fallen in the eyes of Notre Dame fans, it's just shocking to me. Yeah, it is. I mean, that all kind of started with that no-show in the Fiesta Bowl, too, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, we've talked enough about it. Let's get to some score predictions. Who do you got? It's it's really, really difficult to like predict what this offense is going to do, and hence what the game is going to look like. Um. But I think they're going to do just enough, and maybe that's what kind of sets things in motion. I'm going to say it's 26 to 17, uh, and I think Blake Ruppy has a couple field goals. By the way, I didn't also get to bring this up, but I wanted to. I uh, I saw John Doerr at the game last weekend. No and, way! And I like I was walking with my mom, and I said, "Oh, John Doerr," and he was like, "What's up?" And I gave him a high five, or whatever. She was like, I never would have recognized him. I'm like, he's probably the most recognizable <laughs> player we've ever had. Wait. He's a he's a very unique looking guy. Um, I was gonna say, like the most unique. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, in honor of that, I think Gruppy has a big game, which will probably frustrate us that we're not scoring in the red zone. But uh, I think we do just enough and I think we win twenty six to seventeen. So twenty six seventeen, that'd be four field goals for our boy Gruppy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. 
I'm going to go 2017 Notre Dame wins. Um, I think this is going to be ugly. Um, yeah. I've, I've pretty much already decided I'm going to turn my phone off or at least turn it on silent during the game because the fan reaction and all the group chats we're in are going to be even more depressing than normal. But none of that matters. Just get a fucking win. Okay, that's that's all we're asking. It's it's not going to be pretty. Cal's defense is good. Our offense isn't. It's it's not going to be pretty. But just get a win, man. It has been so long. The last time Notre Dame won a game, I was actually in the crowd for it. It was Notre Dame Stanford last Thanksgiving. Wow, that feels like a decade ago, and that was the last time we saw Notre Dame win a game. And you think about everything that's happened since then. It has been so long. We're not asking for it to be pretty. Just win, dude. That's all I'm asking. For sure. Yeah. And then readjust from there. But yeah, just, just, it's, it's hard to really like know what's going to happen before that happens because if that doesn't happen, then it gets really dire. Yeah. I don't, we're not even going to talk about it right now. I, I can't, I can't even think about it for my own sake. All right. You got any final thoughts? You going this weekend? Yes, you are, right? Uh, I, yeah, I think I'll be there. Um, I got nothing. I'm not really looking forward to it. That'll be three weekends in a row in South Bend. That's a lot of time there. Um, but, yeah, we'll be there. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy it. And that's a wrap for this episode of Sons of Saturday Irish. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sons of Sat Irish. I hope you all enjoy the game on Saturday. We will be back on Sunday to go over everything that happens, for better or worse. We'll talk to you then. Bye.